Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the original thinking and creative innovation podcast. How are you all doing? I hope you're all good. I hope you're all winning in life in general. It's all about colour today. Yes, that sexy, nasty, wonderful, horrible dementor, uh, call it what you want, it's colour, it invades all of our lives in the creative professional industry, yes, <laughs> it's a good one, it's a good one today, we've got Justine Fox coming up, a colour psychologist, we'll talk to you about that in a moment, but the weather is looming deadlines and southern rail bandits, yes, emptying your wallet and weakening the service, every week, <laughs> in South London and beyond, uh, yeah, how's everyone? I hope you're all good. I hope you've all had a nice weekend. I hope you're all enjoying the show as ever. Get me your feedback and thoughts at Arrest on the Mix on the Twitter. Who's checked out my new website? I hope you're enjoying it. Um, I'm really, I'm really happy with it. Got it done by a good friend of mine, Shane Gall at G6 Designs. Go and check him out. Um, awesome coder. Yeah, he's a really good web developer. So if you want customized stuff, if you want a nice platform that works seamlessly, where you've got full control over it, he's your man. He's a really good developer. Go and check him out. Uh, thanks to the sponsors, Illustration Limited. They know about colour. They've got absolutely boatloads of it on their website over at illustrationweb.com. Um, loads of illustrators, animators, founding sponsor of this show. They've supported me since day one. They represent my work and they're really protective of the creative industries. So go and check them out. They work very, really closely with the Association of Illustrators who are going to be working with me more to support this show in the coming months. Um, Ren Renwick took over about four months ago as managing director, and she's awesome. I went to uh, chat to her and Lou Bones, which I will be bringing to you on an episode before long about everything that the AOI do. Uh, it's essentially the trade union for the creative for the uh, illustration business. I should know that I'm an illustrator, and they're great. They're doing lots of other cool, exciting things. It's not as boring as it sounds. It's really necessary. Protecting you, con- you know, contracts, all that stuff going on. Uh, all the nitty-gritty, but also really cool stuff like interviews and events and loads of cool things. Go and check them out. Um, so that's illustrationweb.com, uh, providing you with all the animation, illustration, set design, fashion design, and the rest of it. Uh, cheers to them for being the founding sponsor. Heartinternet.co.uk. Everything web, SEO, hosting, social media, telling you how to do it better and how to do it properly. They're really cool guys. Uh, I've got Nick Leach coming up on a future episode discussing all those things in depth, which is an absolute must listen. Uh, But every week, the drip feeders, one lovely tip, um, courtesy of their support for the show. And this week, um, I'm going to talk about my new website a little bit. Uh, I got it done with Shane Gall, like I said, G6 Designs, top guy, good for a long-term friend of mine. Um... And he teaches me all things all the time that I that I don't know because I'm a designer, I'm an illustrator, and sometimes an art director, sometimes a graphic designer, sometimes a writer, and the rest of it. But one thing I don't know about is all this stuff that that Shane and both Heart Internet provide. And actually, it wasn't him that flagged it up. So the website was ready; it went out there. I was talking to Danny Allison, another illustrator slash photographer and good friend of mine, and he said, "What's with uh, the depth of your slider?" And I've got. If you look at my website now, bentallen.com, I've got a, a sort of slider as you come in with, you know, it's quite nice. It's like rotates about six images, dynamic images about projects, things I want to shout about more than others. And 
I hadn't really thought about it. I just I, wa- I wanted to match it up with the size of some of the images on the website and, and kind of get the proportions right. So I had it at a certain depth, but basically it meant that when you arrived on the site on a smaller device, you had to scroll down to get to the actual portfolio. And as Danny put it, you're taking up uh, valuable real estate at the head of your website. And I hadn't really that hadn't occurred to me really. I thought that everyone would just happily scroll down, whereas now I've chopped it down in depth so that you get straight to the portfolio. So essentially, think about that. Think the real estate on your website. Where's the landing page? What's the first thing people go to and first thing people want to click on? And what are you doing with it? If it's just you know, the wrong things, if you just sort of load the text about yourself before you even see anything, if you're an image maker, maybe that's the wrong approach. So just bear that in mind and think what you're doing with your real estate, the most prominent places on your website, and are you maximising that? So that is thanks to heartinternet.co.uk. Go and check them out. Awesome hosts, SEO, social media guys. They're really, really good, and they're really switched on, and they're supporting this show every week to keep it free, just like printed.com my third sponsor, who bring us a little printed lovely every week, a little story, a little uh, way that someone's using print effectively in our industry. And this week, um, I'm going to talk about colour. It's as simple as that. Uh, I've got Justine Fox coming up, colour psychologist, so she'll tell us just how important colour is, and it's way beyond what you might have thought. Um, So, basically, they're a printer, and they're really good at producing colour, which is kind of what you might live and die on as a printer, but you wouldn't believe the amount of bad ones out there and the amount of mess-ups that people have to deal with. So, like I said, I'm a long-term customer now of Printed.com, and I recently got a nice little 16-page promo booklet done, designed by Laura Hawkins. Check her out, laurahawkinsdesign.co.uk. Um... She's really good, by the way. She's an ex-magazine art director, so she's really good with the layout. So if you struggle like I do with the hard, hardcore graphic design, go and check her out. But she gave me this awesome booklet, so took all my imagery and took all my words and brought it together in a lovely, kind of nice, flowing overview of what I'm doing, including this show, my illustration, and the rest of it. And it was fantastic uh, colour reproduction from printed.com, exactly what I uploaded. They were helpful in their templates, guiding what colour profile I needed to use, which is so essential, as Justine's going to tell us later today. So keep that in mind, and thanks to printed.com. Go and check them out and use them if you need your prints doing. Really good. Business cards, over 90 products, flyers, concertinas, you name it. Really good guys. And a lot of people, an increasing amount of people actually, who are uh, getting their own wedding stuff done by them. So if that's not trust, I don't know what is. Your big day. (laughs) So today's guest, Justine Fox, colour psychologist. When I heard that straight away, I thought, well, there we go, there's a guest. Got to get her on the show. So I was introduced to her by Bud from Designer's Block, and he had her doing a talk at London Design Festival just the other weekend when I did mine. And I got in touch and I said, look, tell me more. Uh, I'm really fascinated by this. Story goes, um, I read... Malcolm Gladwell's book, Blink, a couple of years ago, a pop science book, and there's, you know, they talk about subliminal uh, influence of colour and things like that, and there's this one story where they talk about taste testing, and 7up did a rebrand of their can, and they wanted to uh, to do like a taste testing thing with, with their audience, and the truth is they hadn't changed the taste whatsoever but they wanted to test, test the effects of this branding. So they'd added the tiniest slither of yellow to this can, and 98 people out of 100 reported back that the drink tasted more citrusy. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that, the impact upon people's moods, the way people perceive things, what colours say about your brand, your business. 
um, the importance and how people can live and die on that and how some businesses have suffered thanks to uh, getting it wrong with their colour. So it's all really fascinating stuff. We're going to find out why Facebook is blue. <laughs> We're going to find out how Justine got into this quite organically too uh, and how she's gone on to learn all these amazing things and now provides brand consultancy, uh, all sorts of stuff, just going in and telling people what their colours are. She's going to tell me what the turquoises and blues that I've used on the Arrestonomix branding say about the show and whether I've got that right. So you've got that coming up. <laughs> so, so let me know your thoughts. It's a fascinating show, a really good journey for Justine and lovely, lovely lady. Really, really great what she does. So check her out. Um, to tell you all about that and where you can find her work. But it's a brilliant one. And uh, for any geeks out there, I hope you're going to find this as, as mind-blowing as I do. Um, so thanks again to the sponsors, Illustration Limited, heartinternet.co.uk and printed.com. Let me know your thoughts on the Twitter at the rest of the mix. Hit me up, hello at bentallon.com if you want anything more, want to suggest coming on the show, someone you might like to see. Um... And keep it coming. Get me a, a review on iTunes. Do all the stuff to support the show. Spread the word. Love doing this. Creative advice and tips every week for you from these awesome people, just like Justine Fox, who you find me with now in East London. Enjoy. There's so much research into colour. Um, there's, there's new courses popping up, like masters. Really? And, you know, really focused down on, on colour. Um, there was a new one opened a couple of years ago in Milan. Um, and it takes you right the way through the whole like technical colour measurement aspect of it, yeah. colour design, yeah. colour marketing, all of it. I mean, it covers the, the broad range because it's such a massive subject. Well, and, yeah. and I think in the UK, in the past, it's either it's been very science-based and then it's quite dry to the general layperson. Mm. And, 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 you know, they talk in points of like delta ease and you know it's just really <laughs> yeah. it is really tedious yeah um i do i do love a lot of the geekery but um yeah some of it's just oh, too much or it's the old like the old-fashioned trend forecasters mm. i remember seeing them and you know they're they massively camp it up and, and there's no real like <laughs> substance behind it's just oh yeah it's this year we'll be yeah. having and um and so I try to sit somewhere yeah. in the middle. Well, that's good. Because I like the practicality of it yeah. as well. Yeah. Has it been quite interesting for you then meeting people like designers block to... Because, uh, okay, well, what's actually to get a better understanding? What, what's your mm. own background? Like, well, how did you even start to come at this? Uh, did you... Get you, to colour. Yeah, were you, were you just... Mm. Where did you study and were you just interested in uh, the arts or... Yeah, I studied at Brighton. Mm. I did fashion and textiles with business studies. Okay. Um, it was just the second year, so I think the year above me, uh, their most famous child was Julian McDonald. So that was um, back in back in ages ago. Um, and and I studied. I I always wanted to be from the age of like thirteen. I wanted to be a fashion designer. So I went straight from wanting to be Quincy Emmy, <laughs> and uh, straight into fashion design. I made teachers take me to the local art college and yeah. stuff like that, so I could understand the path. So it probably meant that I didn't make the most of school because mm. I was like, I don't need to worry about that. I'm going this. Well, it's way. better than me because I did that playing computer games. Oh, did you? Uh, and it was yeah, and actually that features in my talk. But I my nephew's doing that at the moment. He's he's about to start on Monday doing computer doing game design. Yeah, well, there's there's a big industry for that now, which yeah. I don't know if they, that was so accessible when I was kind of obsessed with it all. But mm. what it did do was 
inadvertently lead me into illustration, but that's going off track. But, yeah. but at the same time, that, that's quite a young age at 13 to have a grasp on what, you know, really actually planted. have a direction and a, yeah, and a drive focused. for that. Because I didn't have either. I, I had this vague inclination that I liked drawing and creativity, but I didn't know how that worked in the world. So. No, I was, I, I was quite, I was uh, fascinated by... Um, Christian Lacroix had this muse, she had grey hair, she was, she was really young, she was only, like early 20s or something, the whole family mm. had gone grey. I was kind of obsessed with her. My mum had had um, a children's designer shop when I was really little, so me and my brothers were shunted round like her mm. random catwalk thing, like as kids. Maybe it's, it's all like from that. My dad's an architect, so he's always like really encouraged us. Mm. There's always been stuff that he would paint at home and stuff. Um, But then when I did my degree and I actually got into the industry, I realised I did not like it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't like this at all. Um, I liked liked the work itself. I didn't like the surrounding stuff. Yeah. So um, I never actually got as far as doing fashion design myself. My first job, actually, was um, for Hussein Chalayan. Do you, do you know his work? Have a look at his work. He's really interesting. He's not really a clothes maker. He's much more of an innovator. And now he's into film and all sorts of stuff like that. So him and Alexander McQueen were contemporaries. And, you know, it was always... I think they were both up for the same thing all the okay, time. Yeah. And so he was he was a really, really interesting person to be around. But I did more of the production element um, which was great because they manufactured in Italy. They gave us Italian lessons. Can't speak That's now, all right. That's but nice. yeah, you know, <laughs> it, it was it was a great experience. Um, then I moved on to Abe Hamilton, but again within the production area of it. Um, and and the downside of fashion is that there's not always much money in it, so mm. they can struggle with cash, and you just get a bit yeah um, a bit sick of that. So. Then by chance, I found myself jobless, and a friend of mine worked at Future Brand. Do you do you know them? They're um, I know the name. I want to say yeah, but I can't pinpoint exactly. What. <coughs> They're massive now. They've gone round like buying up smaller agencies. Theirs used to be Davis Barron, and okay. um, so they've got all sorts like graphics, interiors, all, mm. all sorts. And she was looking for some help freelancing, so I got some freelancing work there. Um, they're working on uh, BA cabin. So again, like uh, uh, to move away from the body into something that kind of constriction into something that's you know much bigger, different materials. And I got really excited about that. So I did some freelancing with that. And um, again, another by chance little stopgap. I think I had about seven years of doing loads of little job so mm. whereas you did all your thinking while you were a teenager I was so blinkered <laughs> I did a lot of my thinking in my 20s like, oh what should I do now okay yeah, yeah, yeah. um I ended up at Marks and Spencer in their store development okay, uh, area um which really interesting actually because it was about uh down to the fine detail of you know what hooks or pegs they have but also mm. you know the store um, building new stores and they were doing a lot of building in, in those days really interesting and I, I I was in the morning meeting and they were talking about these two they were called store of the future so they had one in uh, Forest Bach down in South Wales one uh, up near Liverpool somewhere 
And the guy who was head at the time, Vittorio Radici, he seemed to have a penchant for kind of uh, black PVC and red. He used quite aggressive colours, actually, and he used it in their new head office. Um, but this guy was kind of reporting back that they'd had a consultation with a colour psychologist who had said, you know, I don't know why you're changing from green to red because green is reassuring, it's colour money, people don't think about it when they're at the tall point. And what you're doing by putting red into it is it, it doesn't signal stop but it signals an alert, so people will stop and mm. think. And those two stores did fail. Really? They failed. The, yeah. the project was scrapped eventually. So, you know, coincidence <laughs> or yeah. did she hex it? I don't know. But I tracked her down and um, made friends with her. And she, uh, she's a lady called Angela Wright, and she discovered um, it's called uh, Colour Effects System. So it's, it's her system. She's had it tested, and she split colour into kind of four groups, really. And um, in the testing, they found that there are mathematical correlations between the groups, within each group, that you don't find from one group to the other. Okay. So they're quite definitely different. Um, and, and her theory is really based on it doesn't really matter what colour it is it's about harmony because you'll, you'll never yes. find anybody agree that they like a certain colour perhaps but what you can get them to agree on is that they will choose a harmonious combination rather mm. than a discordant one and so that's kind of the basis of all her and that's how I really got to it yeah um Again, like M&S have been brilliant because they had um, they had this system back in the day where you could go on a day release from your department to another department. And even though I was a temp, that's cool. Um, yeah, really good, really good kind of educationally to, yeah, and to yeah, understand yeah. what other departments do. And um, even though I was a temp, my boss managed to swing it for me to go and visit colour management. So I wanted to understand wow, okay. what they did because obviously as you know, their manufacturers are across the world and, you know, how that part of the business worked. And so coincidentally, while I was doing my colour course with Angela, the lady who had been the manager of that colour department and in the big reshuffle had unfortunately been made redundant. She was now working for the Society of Dyers and Colourists and was at the course to, to accredit it. And she put me in touch with the publisher that then I got on the trend work so I came wow. round it in a big like uh, but so this is a very Spencer organic path. kind of my <laughs> yeah so this is a very organic yeah. path yeah it? I, it is. You see, I, I thought you were going to say that you sort of went down a specialised route on within your degree and you know and then and no. took a more conventional route so that's really interesting that mm. you just kind of you know these, these chance encounters but also I'm always I'm always a very apprehensive in using the words chance and luck I always think if your eyes are open to seeing these things that are put in front of you, that's a big difference. I think yeah. we all get the opportunities, but it's your mindset that allows you to see them and the, you know the courage to go and do it. And actually, mm. you know the way the way you, you said that track down a certain person, yeah. you know straight away that shows that you you, you, you wanted more of it. You know you wanted to exactly force the opportunity. I'd, I'd I'd spoken to there was a woman there who at, at Marks and Spencer again, and she was um, they were all looking at new careers because 
they were going through consultation and a lot of them were going to go and she was looking at teaching and she just started talking to me one day I don't know whether she was practicing her teaching methods but to try and understand what it was that I really enjoyed because I didn't seem to be able to settle into one area at all Mm. and um, talking it through with her then I realised that actually when you look back at my degree or you look back at even schoolwork actually that you know there's not really a, a lot of detail about seams darts you know my friends who are successful fashion designers now mm. their sketchbooks are very different to mine mine were like pages of colors like little <laughs> Yeah. They're, they're all colour based and uh. and I think you know you get so fixated on this is the route I'm going on it's it's the more well known route I, I hadn't even yeah. really heard of there being such a job as colourist they'd taken us to a trend agency my university was quite good they you do have a year out in industry and yeah. and they did make a point of they took us around all the factories in Europe um, printing factories and stuff like that but, you know, they take me to a trend industry and, again, I just... It just left me cold. I was like, oh, what a load of old rubbish. Like, mm. um, and, and I think, really, I needed to have that... and probably needed to have that time and to have that link made in a, you know, in a commercial, architectural environment mm. that colour actually makes makes a difference Um, and then brilliantly because my dad's an architect he took pity on me and gave me a little bit of work to um, help him with an interior scheme for a mental health facility oh wow that's really interesting it was really interesting and what I was fascinated by with that was um, because the people were all about the same age as me at the time uh, they had a range of mental health problems but uh, the key to it was they were all actually deaf. So that was kind of the, the link for all these people. And it was, it was really interesting. It was quite sad. Um, he, was, he was telling me they didn't really expect uh, them to kind of come out. or You know, they, they were quite serious issues. And, and I, you just put yourself in their position. You're like, God, what? how would I feel if I was living in an institution? Mm. And, you know, what can you do to make that a more pleasant environment? And all I could think of was, again, using colour and using mm. kind of graphics and stuff to make it a little bit more of an yeah. inviting Well, I mean, I mean to, to, to go off, to segue off that, I was reading one of your blogs on the way in on the train, and um, what I found really interesting was... A mention of um, this, this is going to be really badly paraphrased, <laughs> but that. <laughs> but that the part of the brain that that, that kind of digests colour, if that's the right mm. way of putting it, is is not is not is a neighbour almost to emo- emotions. Is that, mm. is that is that somewhere near the mark? But that seems to link into what you're saying there about um, it's a very natural biological thing that yeah. we process colour and actually mental health, of course, is mm. goes hand in hand with that to a degree. So, but that that's what um, because I. I kind of find that while I was researching um, some of the the brand agency stuff because they were very specific that they wanted uh, their ethos is about connecting the emotion to the brand and um, so I was looking at it then and I'm quite fascinated by the the biological science of it because again it appeals 
to I've got very logical and creative mind so I like things to be in order so it needs to make sense to me and so if you start to uh, tell me about different parts of the brain and what functions they make and you know that they're in a similar area and so then it makes sense to me well yeah so that because colour there's no such thing as colour that's how they started our colour course it's like right now you know there's no such thing as colour <laughs> my god I just paid a ton of money you charlatan oh my word we're running a degree on something that doesn't exist it doesn't exist <laughs> it's like oh okay fine um, so, so because it is something in our minds mm. so then it all starts to make sense yeah. um, and so the, the different radio waves or whatever oh. affect us in different ways yeah. and I'm a member of the um, colour group uh, for the UK and um, I went to one of the talks there was a guy there who was a professor in France and he was testing uh, about the effects of blue light and so they, they'd gone down all these various routes of um, you know if you used a blind rat if you used a colour blind rat and all the different effects and then um, they actually found that there were different receptors that they didn't even know about so you, you don't have to have any vision sensation at all for this certain uh, type of blue light to actually affect you. So they, they could see that the rats would, um, they work in reverse to us, don't they? So when you flash the light on, flash that, the light I never knew that, that's fascinating. Um, so again, like, you know, things like that have massive applications within, you know, areas like aviation. Yeah. Uh, in terms of dealing with um, jet lag and things like that, it, you know, I've started having people asking me about colour and colour and light um, for cabins mm. because I think it's been used. I think Virgin released not long ago one that creates moods, but not so much the functionality of it where you may not see a colour, but the colour is. Okay, yeah, it's like, yeah, a tint almost. Yeah. And yeah. am I right in thinking blue light is that's mobile phones and devices, modern devices, right? And tablets and. Because I remember looking yeah. at this to do with sleep patterns and said yeah. that blue light inter- interferes with, I think it's with the hormones that, um, that pr- promote good sleep and Yeah, and so um, mind. places like NASA would uh, introduce kind of some red light areas into like space so that to help regulate sleep patterns and uh. things like that. So they, <laughs> they would use it in those ways, sort of much warmer. I did a project for, um, for Philips Hue, actually, to come up with some colour tips for bloggers for them and so they gave me a set of the lights have you yeah. have you seen them they're brilliant uh, i do i really like them uh so you can you could have a take a picture something like you love and then you can like dot in the lamps to pick out certain areas oh, right. so which is really nice so you yeah. can create these like, oh, lovely <laughs> moves or uh, or they've just got like settings that for energize or concentrate or relax ah. and so yeah it's different yeah. like uh, color temperatures it's lovely actually. <laughs> I really like it I really That's like brilliant. it yeah it's good fun good fun That's absolutely amazing yeah it's attacking so you do, I mean it's ways where let me think about phrasing this right <laughs> <laughs> but so you do a lot of forecasting work mm. 
for brands and things. Yeah, I still do full costume. Yeah. But do you well. are you conscious of balancing your schedule in terms? I mean, do you have very much? I, I, this sounds like you very much have a personal, in, you know, interest. Mm. And uh, are there are there directions of passion, so to speak, in this for you? You know, so that uh, do you have your own personal work where you think I want to disconnect from the branding stuff altogether mm. and just learn and play? Yeah, I'd, I'd really like to develop that. And um, at the moment, I've just taken projects to fit in with baby sleep times to be yeah. honest so I've just uh, I've just done that because we don't we don't really have family close to us so you know it, it's kind of fitting it around life really yeah and and making it uh, making it part of my life rather than right so I've got to go to work yeah uh, so it's it's kind of become part of that but I would I would definitely like to start doing some more personal projects as well. So yeah. in uh, in our kitchen at home, I don't have a work area at home. We don't have the space. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a bit of background singing. Yeah, um, so, but we've got like one of those big blackboard walls in in the kitchen. So, like you see in there, I've got all sorts oh, okay, of like, so ideas. That have, yeah. yeah, so ideas that I kind of think of. That's great. That how I'd That's like to develop. Yeah, no, I've got some post-its like up on here. It's always there. Yes, yeah. So you've got you can like stick post-its on it. So I've got them in little groups, and then I can just uh, write on things as I yeah. think about them because you get great ideas when you're messing around with the children, especially like the little one because she doesn't speak. Mm. So we can be playing, but my mind can be like, la, la, yeah, la. yeah. Um, and then, you, but you're so tired, you forget about it. So it's all yes. it's all up there ah, um, for me to start developing once I get once I get the time. So starting mm. Monday, two days a week are mine. Nice, mine, nice. mine, mine. I just uh, one of my one of the ladies on my agency actually, she, her daughter's just gone back to school. So you know she's Ooh. got she's been working evenings and early mornings around it at the moment, and mm. she's excited about getting a working week back. You know, it's just exactly. like these are these are things that have not you know these are things that have not yet ended my life I've got that to, to, yeah, to come you know? yeah no it is <laughs> just yesterday morning I came I came here and you know whenever I see things um like on LinkedIn or um in articles like I, I get thousands of newsletters I kind of file them away and yesterday I had time to to read some of them and this was from branding perspective and with a view to to Saturday's talk and um yeah, it was brilliant. Like just to have that mind space, that right. Oh, this is something for me. And and it's interesting again listening to people who are in different areas. These were um, were brand uh, brand agency people. Um, it was an article about two of them, and to listen to their ideas and to hear how actually I can take that into another area, and it does back up quite a lot of the things that I've been thinking about um, and so yeah you can start making making plans for, mm. for other areas yeah. in my fanciful days I'm going to be like a great artist as well yeah and, yeah absolutely. I went around the the, um, the summer show and like oh, I've got all the names of the people who I yeah. thought their colour work was amazing and yeah yeah, but yeah, I become, I, as I move forward, I become increasingly um, increasingly aware of other dis- disciplines and the way they all feed into what I do. You know, it doesn't mean mm. that I have to go and run off trying to be this, that, or the other. I'm not essentially it always comes back to my illustration and visual yeah. communication. But you know, the reason I'm doing this is, is a, an audio way of communicating my passion for that. I write yeah. a lot. Um, 
you know, I think knowing how everything complements and comes back around to you, it just only strengthens your own, yeah. you know, open-mindedness, the way you see things, you come at it from a whole different angle to other people. That's, you know, that's a great bit about not being in a company as such and being a bit more fluid is that you meet such interesting people that kind of flip connections in your head, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. You know, all yeah. the time. God, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, the reason we met is because I could have easily decided to go home and watch a box set mm. but I didn't I thought well go, go meet Bud for a coffee see what this yeah. talk's all about and before I know it I come away with these two amazing contacts from what yeah. he's told me of these subjects where I'm like oh my god I've got to hear about that you know mm. and what you do and what hopefully what Mariana does for my future interview about the unconventional exhibition spaces completely complements what I do as an yeah. illustrator and a, a visual communicator you know this is this is stuff that I might not have previously considered Where's, uh, where do you come from from the colour perspective then in your work well, I mean, it, it's colours funny for me because I, um, as a child, what you said rang a chord with me about sketchbooks and, mm. and early stuff. You know, I, I part of my talk, my talk's all about play on Sunday and about yeah. why we shouldn't abandon that instinctive things that we're drawn to as, as children, but also as teenagers, and why we disconnect from that as we enter adult life and we get pressure from exams, from work life, from whatever else, and we leave that, which is real sad to me. Mm. And I think you shouldn't like, you shouldn't separate the two. So I look back and I look at my old notebooks, you know, and I would draw wrestlers, I would draw footballers, I would draw, you know, Blur, I was obsessed with the Beatles, my yeah. dad liked. So th- these are core subjects, and I, it's quite, quite a small panorama of cultural influence. So they were my obsessions, really. Yeah. I really, really fell in love with all those things. But when I look back, I was designing alternate ring gear for the wrestlers. I was designing new away kits for my football team. You know, yeah. I would um, repaint my Subutio models with these speculative kits that didn't exist that I thought would be cool. And that stuff that you do for pleasure is that's very instinctive, and I think that's your biggest driver. You know, yeah. that, that's the that's the thing that shapes your path. So then what happened is I went to college I went to university um, and I came out and the very early foundations of my current illustrative style which is ink drawing all hand drawn Uh all created organically I was terrified of colour because I hadn't yet learnt technically how to apply it to my line drawing Uh so I was rubbishing I was rubbishing Photoshop and only just started to mess around with it I couldn't do it organically because otherwise I would have had to draw into the paint directly which just wasn't going to work for what I wanted to do So it was all black and white, and I started to apply these spot colours. But what that did was, because I had such a minimal use of colour through my restrictions, it really forced me to think about what that colour was saying, what it was doing, and, and how it lent a certain mood to that, mm. let's say, a, an editorial piece, which yeah. is, for the first three four years, near enough exclusively what I did, magazine and newspaper illustrations. So there was always a concept, there was always a, a target demographic for this article and, and, the, and the message it was conveying. So that actually really forced me to think about the use of this very restrictive colour that I had. Mm. As time progressed, I got technically better and now you know, there's full colour, all yeah. singing, all dancing, which in its own way still makes you think about this, you know, you have to be quite restricted in your colour palette, otherwise it just turns into a technical mess and it's not really doing any, any one thing, you know? No. So, of course, you know, there are concepts... Um, Sometimes it can be more abstract, it'll just be a portrait of someone and it's cool just to use poppy colours, but I'm sure that even subconsciously you could probably look at what I'm doing and tell me why I'm doing that, which yeah. I find really fascinating. And, and interestingly to see, you know, which have been the most successful in terms of reaching your audience as mm. well, it's, it's quite interesting to kind of look back yeah. and analyse that, so mm. like, you know, why was that more successful yeah um what was it about it yeah you know what could what could i take away from it i was watching um the other night that strange there's a strange thing about vogue on at the moment and and i caught a little bit of it and they were talking about front covers of vogue and the whole art direction team wanted one and the um editor she was like 
it's this one. Um, and hers was like based on she she understood uh, the audience I think a, a lot better and she, and she was explaining how you know when we've used this and color was part of it she said you know we've had like ten percent less sales which for her as the editor it is it's catastrophic know, yeah yeah it, it, you know it's it's really important whereas the the creative team were like yeah but that's kind of samey that's boring and. You know, absolutely nobody agreed with her, and a weaker woman could have crumbled. But she just, mm. Mm. and then they put it out to test, and you know, she was right. You know, her cover got like sixty-nine percent or whatever. Wow. The other one got like forty odd. Oh. Um, so yeah, understanding, you know, what message you're conveying and what what is actually within your brand, because the people who buy your product, you, you know, they're, they are buying into your brand in a way. Yeah. So your product needs to yeah. to speak to them in that way. So have you, have you seen in recent... Is this a, quite a recent thing? I mean, in the way that, let's say, brands invest in this research and, and, the way, and this understanding of colour, is this something that's, that's quite a... Has it seen big leaps in modern times? Or is this something yeah. that's been going on for some time? I think, I think it, it's been bubbling away, but I think... The the onus has been very much on the trend aspect of it, and I think now people have come to the psychological aspect of it because they they look at the psychology of pretty much everything else that goes into the brand mm. makeup. So I don't know why they've always left the colour. Such a such a massive, prominent, unescapable yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, it is. It, it's huge. Um, I looked at there was a great infographic about how we recognise brand. And um, within 400 milliseconds or something like that, that's your, the time it takes to do the brand recognition. But the, the first thing that, um, that comes to you is the colour. That's the first thing that forms yeah. is colour. And then the shape and then all the bits and the semantics, they all fill in afterwards. Mm. Um, but the colour is kind of the first thing. And yeah. something like uh, 87% of people cite colour as, like, the reason for purchase, you know, it's, well, it's, quite, yeah. it's quite big. If I'm buying a t-shirt, it's, it's a huge exactly. factor, and that seems like a, a real simplistic thing, but actually, yeah. somebody's business, someone's benefiting from those decisions, and if they've thought that through and studied that and implemented that, then I guess they're the ones yeah. to consciously benefit from that, rather than just a chance purchase, you know? Think about the new Apple that's uh, on sale this week, isn't it? It's going on sale this week. Um, they've launched two blacks. That's what the conversation is about. Not really so much about the functionality. As in, as opposed to the standard white and silver uh, uh, sort of product colour, do you mean? Well, uh, yeah, I think, I, think it, I think the big news about it is that uh, a, a brand has launched two types of black within the same new product. Okay. So they've launched a matte black and then another one called ah. jet black, which oh, okay. is super duper shiny, like shh. Um, but the conversation in the press is about the colour more than about the functionality yes. um, and that gives them a conversation to have to have with people as well yeah. and you know it, it it's strange again that you you say well it's just black but 
you know, no, the two not. different materials, block, the two colours. Yeah, they, go down they B&Q and, and go to decorate your house and then see if it's just black. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like all over the shop. But the most difficult. We've got uh, Mars black, we've got Galaxy this, that, exactly. and the other. The names kill me. It's like, yeah. That's what's brilliant. Yeah. But you know, uh, <laughs> you know in the paint world, because um, I've, I've got loads of uh, paint experience, but um, <laughs> they'll, put, they'll put a colour, a colour that's not performing very well, they'll put them on death row. Death row. They go on death row. Oh wow! And uh, <laughs> then they might so quite often they'll get a colour name change to see if that'll like give them a bit of a reprieve. Oh. Quite often it works. Is that right? <laughs> it does. Do you know what I used to do? Uh, this, is, this is this is really really terrible. But as a, as a kid, I could be quite. I was creative in the way I mocked people at school, <laughs> and um, and I was I was quite ginger, and people yeah. and people would always go, oh, it's more Auburn, it's more Auburn, and I was more kind of full frontal in taking the abuse. I didn't mind. I would <laughs> I find it care. funny and use it as a shield in the way yeah. that comedians do. I was talking. I managed to get an interview with Stephen Merchant about that. Mm. He was saying about being so tall and having the kind of thick glasses and the stigmatism yeah. that he has with his eyes. He said immediately I use that as a shield with comedy, and I'm invincible. You know, it's, yeah. it's great. So I took the same approach at school because it was quite dog eat dog. But what I did was, because people would kind of go, no, it's Auburn, it's strawberry blonde, I actually took the time to go into the local paint store and pick up a colour chart so that, I could, so that I could pull out these neighbouring colours and go, oh, is it da, 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 Lemon Dance? I remember that being one. That's really rotten looking back. The dedication to that joke is most ridiculous, but... But then, uh, that shows full, full geekery. <laughs> I will get this joke but Again, right. that shows I'm the designer waiting to happen in me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's brilliant. So you mentioned Apple. Um, what do, you, do you think there's a lot to be said about... The, I, always, I was always quite fascinated by the, the white MacBooks, you know, and, mm. and I found that that was something that set them apart to brands, um, to me. Do you think that... Well, I now would put money on the fact that that was very well thought out and there was very much a, a conscious decision made there to yeah. do that. Yeah, no, because um, I was looking back at the old uh, iMac, what were they, the G3s? And those were the first ones that were launched in colour. Mm. And do you remember they had those like translucent backs so you could see all yes. the workings yes, of it? I had one. The first one was the Bondi Blue. <laughs> Bondi Blue. He was, he was the first one. And then they kind of built this collection around it. And, it, you know, before that, electronics had had been kind of for the specialist and by using this colour aspect of it they kind of like brought it out to the masses they'd made it kind of much more friendly Mm. less scary Um, and they obviously went through that with with those with the uh, little iPods do you remember those like little ones yeah I remember uh, doing a green one I bought um, how how would I describe it it was uh... (laughs) apple green it was, yeah, it was like a Granny Smith sort of green, yeah. a little bit duller than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, they, they bought all those. I met a guy at um, a talk, he was doing a talk at uh, the fashion, London Fashion College at the same time, and he'd bought every colour. He was like that. Wow. Every time one comes out, yeah. I've got to yeah. buy it. You know, what's the difference there? There's no difference except for the colour. Yeah. Um, thank you. And I think that decision then, thank you, to then strip all that away I think competitors have started jumping on the bandwagon and if you're going to be the innovator the you know the one setting everything they stripped everything away and yeah. just that clean white yeah and it's been that like kind of ever since isn't it more it's gone more silver now like, but yeah so so they've now they've um, introduced the silver I've just been looking I need a new I need a new uh, MacBook 
Um, so I have been looking again, and um, yeah, they've got the silver, they've got the um, the rose gold that they introduced in iPhone a couple of years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it kind of addressed the popularity with um, with copper, but but again, this is part of. Um, the thing that irks me that I've started that I wanted to talk about on Saturday was the kind of gender assignment of colour. Yes. Yeah. And so I think that pink is meant to address yeah. the more feminine yeah. uh, side of the market, which I just, oh, I just, I find it weird. I, f- weird. I find it very strange, you know, because it would be, this is, I've got a funny story about pink. Um, I'm completely obsessed with pro wrestling. I, anyone who listens to this probably knows it by now but I, I still am I, yeah. I went to Wrestlemania the other year I worked for WWE and oh. it's like my dream client but as a kid um, after like Hulk Hogan in the 80s happened like the, the next top guy has got Bret Hitman heart yeah. and um, it's got and it was colourway was these sort of pink tights with black love hearts and this black cool black leather jacket with these kind of shoulder tassel pads nice. and he was badass he had these pink sort of shades he's put them on the kids in the front row he's the ultimate good guy but he was real kind of fought the good fight and, yeah. and and I remember one time he came out for like Wrestlemania in all pink which he'd never done to that day I was like that looks so cool like in the ring and it was the first time that I was like I want a pink, I want a pink t-shirt yeah. you know? and as a lad growing up in Keighley in a small West Yorkshire town in the 80s or in the early 90s mm. it wasn't a given thing to go around wearing pink but all of a no. sudden that, I was like, that's awesome and I've loved pink ever since and I genuinely root it back to Brett Hitman Art what, which is uh, crazy. what sort of pink is it is it that bright it's like a shock yeah it's a real yeah. shock pink I guess it's quite close to the flower colour yeah. but yeah it's a real kind of vibrant sort of yeah. pink but ever since I've loved like pinks and I don't know where my love of turquoise comes from but I'm, I'm naturally quite I always gravitate towards that in my illustrations and, and I'm yeah. aware that sometimes too much so I try to push it away try a bit and now. push it away yeah I but I, I think you know with, with the pink aspect of it that's that's still quite an aggressive form of the colour yeah is that kind of almost magenta mm. um, colour with with Barbie and yeah. you know all of that yeah. it, it's not uh, it's not soft gentle no colour at all and uh, so, so that, I don't think it should really have a, a gender assigned no, no, to that, it and that was it all. that was to me that was quite new it yeah. was cool I was like okay that's different oh, yeah. that. you know that's, that's great and Sure, I'm sure I wasn't alone in having that experience with Brett but <laughs> but so is there still a is that still a thing is that still a big a big the gender assignment is that still something think, you see as a big problem yeah I think it is and um I, I would just kind of like challenge people to to really really think about it. You know, does does colour have a gen agenda, or is it emotions that we assign to certain yeah. genders? And I think is it is it still applicable today, where our roles aren't as clearly defined as they maybe were 50, 60 years ago? Sexuality is much more fluid. I, I don't really think it, it just seems a little bit lazy to me and Very and much. I will actively not buy something that's, right, okay, that's yeah. pink and I doubt you're alone no I, I, you know especially for you know uh, I mean my my title is not another pink razor you know why why should a, why should up, a yeah. razor be ridiculous pink? isn't it yeah it, it's just <laughs> Uh, it's bizarre and the whole like feminine hygiene that it's pink and like lavender and I just I it's, don't, it's I don't almost get like it. um, it's very weird it's almost like a desperate lunge to try yeah. and make shaving your legs sexy you know like, <laughs> it's like we why, all have to, we why all have should to that sort, be any more we all gentle? have to deal with air we've all got it you I know, know? 
as, as opposed to like the men's is all black silver like <laughs> yeah. navy blue it's like why yeah. is that kind of more Do you like technical with, like, um, it's more technical to shave your face runner adverts with David Beckham oh, running through words. tunnels they like what the, what the hell I've like, been going through their websites and I'm like really I just it almost seems like a parody there's um there's one um I don't know, maybe you don't want me to say brands, but one brand. And actually on their uh, homepage, they've got uh, a pink side and a blue side, and they're, like, opposing this, like, war between the sexes. Really? For razors. They're just like, ah. That's ridiculous. And I just, I just, yeah, it is. It's, like, something Keith Lemon would do. It, it's just weird i find it odd that's almost like um you know we'll go watch the football you go do the shopping exactly. it's like it's, it's that level isn't that, it that's what it's it feels that, like it is, it's 1950s it's and those adverts you'd see where the lady's like like scrubbing the floor with a grin on the yeah, face and the bloke's climbing a ladder with a hammer it's like they existed exactly that was real exactly <laughs> and they might still exist in like small pockets uh with no tv or internet so i don't oh, know sure. oh god but, um, doesn't it all but i don't i don't think that for for a mass market i think there are cleverer more interesting ways you can do it and, yeah. and i understand the whole piggybacking on brands but surely you you know there isn't a lot of space yeah. on on those shelves and I, and i know it's a real fight for space but yeah, you, you can see some of them starting to do something different, mm. and you know I think they've got more shelf presence yeah. than the others. The others seem like lesser, lesser, more mm. cheaper. It's really weird. Um, and and you see it at the moment uh, buying kids' clothes. Um, you know the kids grow so quickly. I don't see the point in spending a lot of money on it. So you're buying high street, and girls, I'm, I'm getting a whoosh of, of pink and purple already and you know she's not even a year and a half she doesn't care she goes up to Darth Vader and goes <laughs> yeah. so, you know she's, yeah. she's not she's not like uh, bothered by it but but yet you know she's a target group already mm. and my son he's five Yeah. that you know it, it starts in school anyway I remember yeah, yeah. when he was about two, three telling off a little friend who was a girl because she had the same colour blue scooter as him and she should oh, have yeah. a pink one. I was like, oh, well, it becomes horrified. a self-fulfilling prophecy, doesn't it? I mean, mm. somebody in, the, in the, somewhere at some point had to commercially make a decision that pink was a girl's colour. Otherwise, it might not have seen as... If it was pushed another way, it might never have been seen as, as such, you know? Yeah. Which it, I find interesting. It was a commercial decision because originally uh, you would have dressed a boy in pink and you would have dressed a girl in blue. So pink just being a softer version of red which yeah. is the masculine principle in, in terms of colour and then and because it's kind of quite strong and aggressive so the softer version of that and then the blue I believe just comes from the Virgin Mary so, so that's where they were originally and ah. at some point they got flipped Wow, okay, that's, that's flipped cool. over. Didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's <laughs> loads sense, of like, little yeah. stories about how branding has, you know, uh, I think it was Coca Cola turned, brand, turned Christmas red. Yeah, well, yeah, they said green was the original thing, they didn't they? Green. And you said earlier about the yeah. comfort and kind of nature of yeah. green, you know? Yeah, it would have it would have made more uh, sense that association of green, especially in the winter and stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah, the red's just. Yeah, and I imagine that aspect of green simply comes from nature. Is that yeah. to yeah, educate a guest? But I would assume that's. But it's also um, 
because it sits at the centre of the spectrum, so from just a physical point of view, it's the only colour that your eye doesn't have to make any adjustment to see. Oh, okay. So yeah. that's why it's quite relaxing right. colour, okay. because it doesn't cause strains. Yeah. So, um, like if, if you if you would go from uh, red room to uh, green room, you'll feel the you'll feel the change in your eye so you'll feel that physical mm. change in your eye and yeah it's the it's the more restful right. center point it's the center okay. ground i see yeah 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 i read um mentioned coca-cola one of the most fascinating things i've read it was in malcolm gladwell's blink book i don't know if you've mm. read it no i haven't but you probably you really should actually yeah. it'd be really great for what you do it's um it's all about that um it's called the power of thought without without thinking right so it's very much our our you know, microseconds, uh-huh. um, how we assess things yeah. on a very uh, primal level, I guess. But um, but there's a there's a, they're always constructed these books in a series of case studies, and they're really fascinating all of them. And um, this one, there's a bit about colour, and it talks about how uh, how the, the, these sort of it looks like Coca Cola and Pepsi like taste yeah. testing experiments. And Seven Up did this thing where they were rebranding, and as part yeah. of the process through this. They introduced the tiniest sliver of yellow, barely there, into into the can, and they got, yeah. a, I think it was 100 people to, to taste the drink. Um, nothing at all had changed with the drink itself, yeah. and they asked them to, you know, what, what do you think of the new 7 up on us? And I think it was 97 people out of 100 reported that it was more citrusy when there wasn't an iota of difference because of this tiny sliver of yellow. They reckon it's down to That's that. That's amazing. And I just, that blew my mind. So, you know, ever, ever since that, it's just, I, I think, wow. And the, the, the sort of subversive use of that yeah. in marketing and then wow you know that's I, I did um, a consultancy on uh, colour and taste for an alcohol brand okay. uh, not long ago and it was looking at packaging and product blue wicked of how you can yeah, <laughs> ramp it up how we can make it pink <laughs> pink wicked yeah. Uh, yeah just you know because it had not occurred to me before that you know the, the colour of the drink itself was adjusted mm. slightly and could actually influence like, like you know mm. that, there's no difference in taste but your brain tells you there yes. is because of what you've seen wow yes. wow yeah. that changes yeah. everything and there, there are there's there's lots of um in the run-up to to that I, I did i read lots of research on on people doing taste tests with you know making different suggestions to people through colour and mm. what people thought they were and, and people can get very confused um, yeah it's, it's, it's really fascinating yeah. because you you eat with your eyes don't yeah. you yeah. you know that's why that uh, that, that blind re- uh, restaurant was such a kind of revolution yeah. you know in the pitch gotcha. darkness yes because all of a sudden yeah you, you've all you're relying on is your taste and that's taken away so much of you know the, your sensations are yeah. amazing so there is a little thing that I brought along my flyer mm. for the podcast and I never considered oh, cool. and this is very I never really thought through the colours so I don't know what your impressions of that are what you can tell me about this given that it's a podcast for creative people and people interested in visual communication essentially so I don't know if there's anything that jumps out from that well straight away if you use blue yes so it's this uh, colour of communication and creativity Oh, okay. Straight off. Maybe this is why I don't know. I'm drawn. I'm just, uh, yeah, I like the. I just wanted to use quite a range of turquoises and blues within that. And I've got my sunglasses on, so it's obviously tinted. <laughs> <laughs> but but um, yeah, no, the the colour that you've picked because um, I'm using blue as an example actually for the different types of colour. 
yeah. that um, that you go through, and they say different things. So because yours is like quite light, there's not you've got kind of uh, it's not actually black. You've you've got a dark colour around it. Um, so this kind of clarity of like mid blue. Uh, does give it more of kind of like futurist lights, you know. Yeah. You wouldn't think that it's something heavy and serious, yeah. even though you've used this kind of dark. Yeah. Around well, that's it. it. I, I shot that through. Um, I created a little set in my studio. That's a three D. Yeah. That's a three D print of me um, that I painted directly onto. It's something I wanted to try for uh, yeah. for a while, and it seemed right for this show because the focus is on the guests. So it gave me a bit of freedom to get away from the traditional Ben Talon style. Um, so then I created like a 3D set using these big mount boards as walls and painted on them okay. and then placed that in the middle. But the black around there, I photographed it through a cardboard tube. Yes. Like a toilet yeah. roll tube. Nice. Uh, and shot through it. I wanted to give this sensation that there was something opening up at the other end of this, you know, that hence the kind of black around it. They're not black around it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, well, because it is. It's yeah. kind of off black. So it just, it just causes that to recede and this yeah. to pull forward, even mm. though you're looking down something. Yeah. It just pulls all the focus and attention here yeah. to this area. But it's fascinating now because I'm never going, never ever going to so ill consider my colours again. Now I'm always going to be thinking about what it might be saying or what you know. And I guess I should do that anyway as an illustrator, and I do. Yeah. But then sometimes I will just I'll, I'll start the palette with whatever jump. I don't know. It's a feeling, you know. Mm. I'll go through a range of colours and something will grab me, and then I'll build and then I'll build the palette around that. Mm. That's often the way I, I do my my colour palettes, unless there's a very definite mood to get across in which case then I have that conversation with the editor or whoever you know yeah uh, I think um, I think a lot of it is instinctive and if you're a designer then your instincts your eyes are already highly tuned so what somebody like me could do is really uh, not do your job for you but save you time give you a reason why you've done it to, for you to kind of understand you know why am I putting these colours together mm. which is great for communicating to clients to communicating to marketing teams if they need to talk about what you've done yes and why you've done it uh, so giving yeah. that understanding and reducing the risk if it's if it's a product especially you, you're talking in terms of sales um, so reducing the risk of there being a ton left on, yeah. the, on the shelf when it comes to sale time that's yeah. really that's really what you want to do mm. um, and, and it, it can work in kind of all areas in terms of creating the buzz around the product to start off with as we were like talking about the apple blacks you know that's that's created a whole conversation yeah. for um, so many different departments in to have gets the consumer excited about it um, and I was reading something about uh, the relationship with brand and the consumer and it's almost that kind of anticipation, that slow reveal that kind of creates the desire and, and the colourist can kind of help you with all of that and then it's really, you know, um, there is quite often a default within publishing graphics to use black for outlinings and things like that, where it's maybe not always 
the best choice in terms mm. of balance and it could offset the rest of your palette. So it's, it's helping people see you know, what you could use instead that would create this, uh, this view of harmony that would make people much more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And that way you, you, can, you don't completely do away with the need for kind of cultural associations and things like that, but you can get around a lot of things like that, especially on a global yeah. basis. Yeah, so, and um, I think I read in one of your pieces, you know, that, that beyond, uh, beyond a couple of isolated areas, colour is never seen just as you know one color is never seen alone it's, no. it's very much you know in a real world context yeah uh, it's a relationship yeah it's always a relationship and um so you just you just need to make sure that that is a is a harmonious pleasant experience you yeah. you want to give people the right idea of it about you about your brand mm. um and you know you it needs to speak about you because the worst thing that a, a consumer can think or a client can think is that you're not authentic, that you know, you're know you hiding something. So if you get your colours right, you're presenting the real you, mm. um, that's the best message to kind of get, get across. And people are more successful in that way. The, the relationship will last longer yeah. as well. And that, that's element of it is something that I've, I've been reading in some recent studies uh, in terms of like market branding product design and um, all those areas are important because the colour kind of like takes you right right through you know yeah. obviously I've talked about the marketing element of it but there's the functionality of it you know how does the colour help the function especially in terms of uh, you know, we're all living much longer, so with that comes its own set of challenges. Colour can help you uh, negotiate. You know, if there are instructions or manuals or um, features on a product, so the colour can draw you to that. And mm. um, I'm quite quite interested in the uh, inclusive design and. Quite often, people will use colours that are perhaps too close to each other, so that people who might have uh, any visual deficiency can't can't read it, can't navigate oh, it. Okay. Um, you know, the, the, the famous one is Mark Zuckerberg. The reason Facebook is blue is because he has a red green deficiency, I believe. Is that right? And so, blue is the colour he can see all of blues. Wow. And, um, okay. Yeah. So there are the, those sorts of practicalities of things as well. There's, um, there's a really interesting lady I follow on Twitter, and I think it's colorblindness.org. And she, she really illustrates you know, how people with any deficiency see things. Um, some brands have actually used it to their advantage. There was, uh, was it Coca-Cola, was it the Life brand in might be Norway they did a big massive uh, awning of um, the new life thing but they did it in the, the colour deficiency circles oh. 
So they did it so that people with uh, normal vision um, wouldn't be able to see it. So it was only if you had a deficiency that you would be able to read. So they oh, actually targeted the, I think it's 5% of the population. So they actually went that way around it and they played with the colour aspect in that way, um, which highlights that, you know, there is there is that problem. And, you know, why, why do a colour palette that will cause that problem if you don't really need to and yet you can still have something that's very beautiful yeah. because you, you quite often see things where they go oh it's readable to everybody and they just make it ugly yeah there, there's no there's no need for that <laughs> there's it a can still be beautiful there's an illustrator called tom gold who came and did a talk when i was at university mm. and he's very well known for his for his uh, artist books his comics he does his own comics very popular mm. um and what I found out during the talk is that he's, he's badly colourblind and he has to he memorises all of the Pantone references in Photoshop That's to colour his work, yeah. Wow. Which is quite impressive for an illustrator to be colourblind, yeah, and still use colour, you know. It's Does like, he use like a really interesting uh, combinations of colours though? A lot of them have, have been a lot of them have been really quite limited colour use. You know, yeah. which is great it's one of the things for me that sets them apart a lot of them are yeah. black and white or just you know greys and a, a one-off green or something like that. and it's yeah it's quite mm-hmm. thinking back to a lot of his stuff there is quite limited use of colour and a yeah. lot of it yeah but yeah it was just it was just a little thing that he told us that I thought, oh, it's amazing wow, that he'd like memorised yeah god this yeah stuff. <laughs> somebody obviously told him like right yeah. this looks like this but he's probably got a better you know the, the thing about that I mentioned Malcolm Gladwell's um, David versus Goliath one of the topics on that is about you know success rates of uh, people who've got dyslexia, for example, who've gone yeah. you know there's a lot of real successful people who you know turns out have got dyslexia and it's because they've had to fight a little harder through their formative years in school, for example. Makes you a bit more steely. Yeah, that, that you know once they, once they start to excel and find their thing, they've got a resolve that people who've, who've perhaps had it more you know easier than that, yeah, not had to work so hard for you know. Yeah, no, it, it's uh, something to be said about it. You know that disadvantage can often propel you to. Uh, Great heights. Yeah, well, that's a whole um, other conversation. Well, you but. can you can, <laughs> you can get all sorts of. Uh, I think because it mostly happens in men as well. Um, you know, you can see with certain like designers, artists, or whatever, like quite interesting uses of colour, and so you do start to wonder like, wow, mm. is there some? I mean, there are so many different variants of deficiency anyway. Um, and then you could say everybody's deficient because apparently there's a fourth cone that only a small percentage of people have. It's like, oh, oh wow! How do you get one of them? Wow! Yeah, he's yeah. A, he's so endless. they can see even more. They can see beyond. It's just uh, amazing. I think the, the first. I, I think you're probably the first guest of where I could probably do like a 24 hour marathon podcast. Oh, I could just talk, I could just heart. go around like picking, picking up see, things, so and, many, so things and things and yeah. Oh God, I could go on forever. <laughs> so um, so where would people look? for you where would people find your stuff and you know contact you about anything talks or, or yeah, giving well, your services one day I will have a website of my own <laughs> uh, but until then um, I'm on Twitter uh, at Material Colour um, or you can just email me justine at materialcolour.com and I'd love to chat to anybody yeah. very happy gotcha. yeah anything about colour Anything about colour? It's just mind-blowing stuff. You know, I text a few designer friends who are quite geeky about what they do on the yeah. way here, saying I'm going to chat to um, chat to this lady this morning who's a specialist. And, oh, you know, like, people just get really excited, so I'm really hoping this is going to be a very well-received show yeah. in the community. Yeah, it'll be really cool. Well, I'm going <laughs> to, um, on Saturday, I'm going to bring, like, some of my colour materials and stuff um, with me. 
And yeah. I'm just going to do a kind of shorter talk and then, you know, if anybody wants to bring their stuff or mm. talk. I'm quite that I can't make it down. I'm at a wedding on uh, Friday, Saturday. And oh, a wedding would be I would, fun. I would have loved, <laughs> loved to come down. I would have loved to come down. But definitely let me know next time you're going to talk. I'd love to come down. Yeah, and, um, no, I will do. Get I will do. Yeah, yeah no, we'll, uh, we'll keep in touch. Yeah. Because uh, I listen to your pod stuff, but I haven't ha- I haven't seen your work yet. So yeah, I'll, I'll send you a link. I'll I'll yeah. I'm about to launch a new website, so it's good time. Are you? Yeah. So, did yeah. it take you a long time to do? Yes. Did it? Yes, about seven months. Really? <laughs> well, it, 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 it definitely lots. doesn't have to take that long. No. That sounds like a daunting thing. Basically, I wanted to um, rebuild from the ground up because my old site was done on a WordPress theme and it, I had no flexibility. And yeah. since I designed that website, I've started the podcast, I've written a book, I write all the time and I'm doing a whole panorama of new things. Yeah. And it just wasn't showing that off. I just had this very simple portfolio. So yeah. I have a friend who's a developer who did me a really good deal and, we, and I work with my girlfriend who's a graphic designer to just oh, start fantastic. from scratch and it just, it's got a section for everything that I'm doing so yeah. and uh, I'm very happy with it yeah so it, but it's certainly been worth the time and, yeah. and it basically came from me thinking that it would be a very simple process to transform the design. I'll do this weekend no problem and then my developers sat there going right here's the thing you know this is not going to be a quick job so it's been worth the wait without a doubt to do it properly but um, when are you launching? they don't have to take that long hopefully today oh really? <laughs> But I, it'll be a soft crossed. launch. I'm not going to shout about it just yet because I've had such a busy week. I'll wait till next yeah, week. But, yeah, see how, it, it's all good, how yeah. it goes. So the last part of the show, I always ask, if you listen to the shows, you might know, I always ask my guests, it's called Shark in the Tank. And I ask mm-hmm. them, it's a love-hate question. So I ask them to name me a love and a hate within the creative spectrum, but it's a very open, open-ended open question. It can be as playful or as serious as you want. It's just a positive and a negative. What do I love? <laughs> and it can be of the moment, it can be an all-time thing, it, absolutely anything goes on this question. It's just really interesting answers that people give. Mm. Let me think what I love. <laughs> do you know what? My favourite song in the world ever uh, came to me before Colour did, and yet it is called Forbidden Colours. Oh, really? <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> so, uh, David Sylvian, Richie Sakamoto. Excellent. Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. <laughs> I still love it. I still, I still do love it. It's amazing. Um, thing that I really hate: lazy use of colour. I do. It just. I'm glad you said that. I was it does. It really. It irritates me. Um, and and yeah, you know, my presentation on Saturday is is going to open up with a shot of my local Sainsbury's. Of their personal hygiene sections because it just annoys me. I think I'm going there later on. My mum and dad are are coming down. I'm going to buy a few bits in for them. Uh, I'm going to have a look. Have a look. I might send you a picture. It's just really annoying. It's like, really? Oh my word. Um, Yeah, and that, it does. It makes me twitch slightly. I just, you know, when you get that eye twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. mm, no, no. So those, those are, yeah, those well, my colour-related loves and hates. Well, I hope you talk. I hope, I hope you talk goes well. And um, thank you yeah, very thank you much. so much for your time. No, thanks. It was amazing. I <laughs> Cheers, really enjoyed Justine. it. <laughs> thanks so much to Justine Fox for that, for taking the time to meet me and tell us all this amazing stuff about colour. It really makes the mind boggle, doesn't it? It really makes you think about what you're doing with colour and, and how um, how lazy we can be with it sometimes without actually realising what impacts that could be having on our overall creative career. So 
I hope you're now looking at your immediate surroundings, looking at your websites, looking at your brands, and shitting yourself. <laughs> I know I was. I came out of there and I thought, oh my God, like what have I been conveying with my work and what have I been doing without even realising all these years? So I'm definitely going to be taking a more careful consideration over my colour in my work, in my brand, in everything that I do. Maybe even what I wear when I talk. Maybe even what I wear when I'm doing this show, even though you can't see me. Maybe it's that important. <laughs> Thanks as ever for checking in, guys. Don't forget the sponsors. Check them out. Keeping the show free every week. Illustrationweb.com, heartinternet.co.uk, and printed.com for everything beautiful imagery, digital naughtiness, and uh, printed wonderfulness, of course. Go and check them all out. Been supporting us for a while now, so thanks to those guys. Uh, check back next week. We've got more amazing guests as ever coming up every week. Go and check out my column on printed.com. Uh, loads of freelance advice for you people getting started. I just wanted to know some just some stuff, just some experiences and some, some stories. Uh, so keep going back, keep checking us out, get us a review on iTunes. And thanks ever so much again for coming and listening to Arrest on the Mix. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. See you later. You've been listening to a rest.